0: Welcome back to Heroes of the Faith, a show where we are inspired by the lives of the saints so that we can become saints ourselves. I am your host, Isaac Longworth, and if you didn't know this about me already, I'm actually Canadian. I'm from Canada, but even though I'm Canadian, I know that many of my listeners tune in from the United States. Possibly you yourself are listening from the United States right now, which is why I am so excited to share with you about today's saint because this saint that we're going to be talking about today was the very first person born in the United States to be canonized by the Catholic Church as a saint. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton. Now, if you haven't heard about Saint Elizabeth yet, don't worry, that's exactly what this show is about. We're gonna talk about her amazing life and why the United States truly can be proud of their very first native born saint. Now, Elizabeth, she was born in New York City and she was born in the year 1774. So that's right at the onset of the American Revolution, a very turbulent time for America as a country. Her parents were both Anglican, and in fact, Elizabeth's grandfather was an Anglican minister, so a very religious family. Elizabeth was raised as a Christian in this denomination. Now, eventually, the Anglicans would later be called Episcopalians in the United States, and so Elizabeth was raised as an Episcopalian Christian. Her father was a doctor, and he served as the chief medical officer for the city of New York, but he was a very kind and virtuous man. And he would spend a lot of his time treating the immigrants who had landed in New York, who were seeking a new life in the United States. He would seek to care for them and and help them stay healthy while they were getting adjusted to becoming an American citizen. When Elizabeth was only three years old, her mother, unfortunately died from pregnancy complications with her third child. And so Elizabeth's father remarried in order to provide Elizabeth and her older sister with a new mother. And so that's exactly what he did. He got married again to a new woman. And Elizabeth's stepmother was also a devout Episcopalian woman. And so this new marriage provided Elizabeth with a new mother and also five new step siblings. And so the family got a lot bigger. Uh, Elizabeth, growing up, was a very kind and loving child to all of her siblings. She got along very well with them. She was very kind and helpful towards her parents. In fact, she and her father were very close. He would spend a lot of time with little Elizabeth. He would teach her everything that he knew. And Elizabeth, she was a smart student. She learned from her father all of his favorite subjects, politics and history and poetry and religion. Growing up, Elizabeth, she was a voracious reader. She always had her nose in a book. She was a real bookworm, but she wasn't just book smart. She wasn't just good at school. She really took all of this learning into her heart, especially the learning about her Christian faith. She was a very uh, prayerful child growing up. She always wore a cross around her neck, and she especially loved to read the Bible. She would spend a lot of time studying god's word and as she read the bible she came to know god better which makes sense the more you read about the word of god what he says the more you get to know him and that's exactly what elizabeth was doing unfortunately the new marriage between elizabeth's father and her stepmother ended in a separation the marriage broke up and so elizabeth and her older sister, as a result of this, were actually rejected by the stepmother. The stepmother didn't want to see the girls anymore. And around the same time that all this was happening, their father traveled away from home to get more medical training for his work. And so the girls, because they weren't wanted by their stepmother, because their father was away on business, they were sent away to live with their uncle and his family. Now, as you can imagine, this was a time of, of real loneliness, real darkness for Elizabeth. She felt isolated. She felt left behind. Uh, she had already early in life experienced two times her mother being taken away from her. Once when she was very little in death and the second time her second mother feeling like she had been abandoned by her. And so she was having some issues of, of abandonment. She was probably wondering if. Is this separation somehow my fault? Why don't they want to live with me? Why don't they want to take care of me? She was missing her family. She was missing her step siblings. She was feeling unwanted and left out. And so in the midst of all of this darkness and all of this desolation, Elizabeth turned to her faith in Jesus. She turned to God to comfort her in what she was going through. And so she would spend a lot of this time in prayer and she would talk with God about what she was going through. She would tell him about the sorrow in her heart, what she was feeling, how she was feeling abandoned by her family. And she would again, take a lot of time reading the word of God, soaking in the word of God, hearing what he had to say about her situation. One of her favorite parts of the Bible was the book of Psalms and she would let God's word bring her the peace she was searching for, especially as she was reading through the psalms. Now, if you haven't read the psalms before, they are very easy to pray with. They are songs of praise, songs of prayer that the psalmist, most often King David, expresses towards God. And in the Psalms, King David, he gets pretty raw. Like some of the Psalms are very joyful where he's expressing joy towards God. Sometimes they express fear or sorrow or anger. It really just expresses what the human heart can feel towards God at different times. And so Elizabeth would read through these Psalms and would be able to express her heart to God through these prayers from scripture. It was a very beautiful experience for her. And so this was what helped her to get through these dark times of isolation and abandonment that she was feeling while she was living with her uncle. Well, as Elizabeth got older, she became known as a very accomplished and gifted young woman. She continued to read. She continued to study. She continued to be very bright with her schooling, and she fit right in with her high society surroundings because her father was a doctor she was in a very elevated part of society she was very good at piano she could speak french fluently she was good at riding horses and so this talented and cultured elizabeth very quickly caught the eye of a wealthy young merchant named william seaton and william fell in love with her He was absolutely taken by this beautiful and accomplished woman. And Elizabeth, for her part, also grew to deeply love him. And so the two were happily married not long after. And William and Elizabeth, they were a very happy couple. They raised five children together, and the whole family was a very joyful and happy one. There was a lot of laughter. It was a good family. Elizabeth and William both loved the Lord. Uh, They were both Episcopalian, and so they took their children faithfully to church every Sunday. They taught them how to be good Christians. They taught them how to read the scriptures, just as Elizabeth was used to doing. Now, Elizabeth had grown up watching her father have concern for all the sick and the poor, the immigrants who had come into this country. And so she was inspired by his example to do the same thing. She wanted to imitate what he had done his practice and so she got together with her sister-in-law Rebecca her husband William's sister Rebecca she became very good friends with her and so Elizabeth and Rebecca together started to go out and take care of all the poor all the widows all the orphans in their area they would go out and bring them food they would help them find health care they would help teach their children for free and so because of all of their charity work that they were doing Elizabeth and Rebecca were lovingly nicknamed by their neighbors as the Protestant Sisters of Charity. The Sisters of Charity, of course, were a kind of nun in that area, and so they knew that these sisters weren't uh, nuns, obviously. They were Episcopalian, but because they were acting like nuns, going out and serving the poor and and showing the love of God, people called them the Protestant Sisters of Charity. They were so well-loved by their neighborhood. The concern for the poor that Elizabeth and Rebecca had it flowed out of their authentic love for Jesus. Rebecca and Elizabeth would study the word of God together. They would read it and they would read passages like James chapter one, for instance, which says that religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And so they would read scripture passages like that and take it to heart and it would drive them out to not just love God, but to go and love the poor, the sick, the weak. And that's exactly what they did. And so these two sisters, Elizabeth and Rebecca, went out and did a lot of charity work in their area. And this whole period of time with her family, with William, with her charity work, with her sister-in-law, this was a very happy time for Elizabeth but unfortunately troubles were soon on the way because William's father Elizabeth's father-in-law he died and so many of William's younger sisters and brothers came to stay with him and Elizabeth in their house which as you can imagine added a lot of stress to their family life with all of these new people that they had to take care of at the same time several of William's ships remember William was a merchant, he did a lot of overseas trading, several of William's ships were shipwrecked, losing a lot of his goods that he was going to trade, and so the family business began to lose a lot of money as a result. Now on top of all of this, the stress from all of these things made William's chronic tuberculosis that he had struggled with for a long time, that got a lot worse because of the stress. And so William's doctors advised him that if he wanted to get better, he had to seek out a warmer climate to go and find some place where there was a lot of sun to rest and get better. And so that's exactly what William and Elizabeth decided to do. William had done some business with two Italian brothers named Antonio and Filippo Felici. And so the Felici brothers said, why don't you come to Italy? They told the Setons, come and visit them, soak in the Italian sun, let William recuperate there, and that will help him heal from his tuberculosis, and so that's what the Setons did. They left America and they went to Italy, but as soon as they arrived in Italy, they faced a new problem, because New York City was being ravaged by a disease called Yellow Fever, and so the Italian government didn't let the Setons into the country, they had to quarantine for fear that they had brought the fever with them. And so they were quarantined for over a month, over a month. Now with COVID happening, maybe you yourself have experienced a quarantine. I have done two weeks of quarantine myself. It's not fun. And so I can only imagine what a month of quarantine was like. William during this time, he got quite depressed. He was very sick. He was worried about his family, he was in isolation, his business was failing, but Elizabeth put aside all of her own needs and lovingly encouraged her husband, helping him to get through this difficult time in quarantine, and she no doubt was reading him many of the same scriptures that had given her comfort during her dark times she already knew that the word of god was able to sustain them through dark times and so she was helping william as well through his time of depression and yet despite all of her loving care for him william died of his disease of tuberculosis and so elizabeth was left alone as a widow in italy you can just imagine what that must have been like for elizabeth to lose her beloved husband and to be stranded in this strange country all by herself. But she wasn't completely alone, because the Felici brothers who had invited them to Italy took pity on poor Elizabeth, and they took care of her during her time in Italy. Now both Antonio and Filippo, both of the brothers, were Catholic, as many Italians were at that time, and their conversations with Elizabeth soon turned to the faith. And they told her about how their christianity catholicism was actually the truest form of christianity because it was founded by jesus himself jesus himself had founded the catholic church whereas they explained to her that episcopalianism came from anglicanism which was not founded by jesus it was founded by a man named henry the he was the king of england and uh, the king of england had wanted to divorce his wife The Pope said, no, you're not allowed to divorce your wife. And so Henry had said, well, fine then. I'm going to take charge of the church in England. And I'm going to be the leader of the church, not the Pope. And that's where the Anglican church came from, the Church of England. And so Elizabeth was hearing about the history of where these two strains of Christianity had come from, how Catholicism had come founded by Jesus and how her denomination of Christianity had come because of a rebellious King who wanted to take authority away from the Pope. She was hearing a lot of this for the first time from her new Italian friends. And she was also at the same time touring Italy and seeing these beautiful Catholic churches with the stained glass and statues and carvings, all of them dedicated to God. And she realized that Catholicism was so different in how it was expressed. She was used to the more plain, the more stark Protestant churches that was in the United States. And she wasn't used to the beauty and the splendor of the churches that were built by Catholics. And so she was experiencing all of this Catholicism, both in the conversation with her friends and in the architecture and then in the liturgy. She was experiencing all this for the first time. And so when she returned to America, eventually, she found herself very spiritually confused. She had always loved Jesus as an Episcopalian, but now she had discovered that the church that she thought was the true church had not been founded by Jesus, but that the Catholic Church had. And when she told her friends and family about this, they urged her to forget all that she had learned about the Catholic Church, to forget all of her experiences, and to put any thought of converting any thought of becoming a Catholic out of her mind. Just forget about it, Elizabeth, they said. Well, the Felici brothers continued to share their faith with her. They didn't press anything on her. They didn't force anything on her. They just kept inviting her. And they got her connected with local Catholics in the United States who were able to answer all of her questions. And she had a lot of questions. Some of her main questions were about the Eucharist. She was wondering, is it a symbol? like my Episcopalian church teaches, or is it truly the body and blood of Jesus as these Catholics taught that it was? And she returned to the scriptures that she loved so well, and she saw that Jesus was pretty clear on the subject. He didn't say this is a symbol of my body. He said, this is my body. And she was reading this and learning more. And she was so attracted to this teaching of the Eucharist, this idea that God dwelt in Catholic churches, in their tabernacles, that she began to go to Mass, and she began to go to Eucharistic adoration, even as a Protestant, asking God, if that's really you, then show me. She was hungry, hungry for what she didn't yet fully understand. And in her confusion torn between Catholicism and Episcopalianism, she turned to God in prayer, and she earnestly begged him. Lord, if I am right as an Episcopalian, then let me stay here. But if I am wrong, then you have to teach me your better way. And she was open to whatever truth God would reveal to her. And so eventually, she felt the Lord leading her to become a Catholic. And so despite her family's pleas, despite her friends' objections, she decided to convert. Now, when she became a Catholic, she began to undergo a lot of suffering, a lot of persecution because she had been working as a teacher. But many of the parents, when they found out that their child's teacher was a Catholic, they refused to send their children to her anymore. And so eventually she couldn't work anymore. At a time when she was most desperate, remember her husband had died. She was trying to take care of these children all by herself. She she couldn't work anymore. She didn't have a job. Many of her Episcopalian family members rejected her. They ostracized her. They shunned her because of her decision to convert to being a Catholic. But she considered all of this pain, all of this emotional suffering, worth it for the chance to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, which she tried to do every day. She had a huge love for the Eucharist, for the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. But the persecution that she was experiencing only intensified because she started meeting with her sister-in-law, who eventually also became a Catholic as well, which upset the family dynamics even more, and it became so tense that she eventually just left New York and took a teaching position in Baltimore, Maryland. Now while she was teaching there, she was offered the chance to start a brand new school to provide free Catholic education. So she agreed to do that. She agreed to take care of these poor children. And so other women began to join her at this school. They began to help her teach. And since Elizabeth was widowed at this point, she was able to seek permission to found a congregation of religious sisters to make this work possible. So while she was taking care of her own children, Mother Seton, as she came to be known, became the superior of a group of nuns called the sisters of charity. And so mother Elizabeth Ann Seton and her sisters of charity, they served the poor, they founded schools, they taught good Catholic education to poor children who couldn't afford it. They managed orphanages and they spread the love of Jesus throughout the region and they became so well loved by everyone that they met. Even some of Elizabeth's own daughters eventually joined the community as nuns, which I think is pretty cool that she was the mother superior and some of her own daughters joined and became her daughters in the spiritual sense as well. Now, Elizabeth spent the last years of her life managing this new community, serving the Lord who she had loved so much through all of these charitable works until finally she died of a lung disease when she was only 46 years old, so still quite young, and she died of this lung disease, doing what she loved, serving the Lord and teaching and taking care of the children of the poor. Now there's so much in the life of St. Elizabeth that we could imitate, but one thing that I think is extremely important to imitate is her love of scripture. She loved to read the word of God. She knew that by hearing God's voice, she could deepen her relationship with him, that God's word comforted her in times of trial, in times of darkness, that he inspired her with his word to live this life of charity and service to the poor that he had called her to. And I find that many Catholics, myself included, we don't love scripture as much as we should. Many Catholics think that they're not supposed to read the Bible for themselves, but they only depend on what they hear the readings at Mass. Now, of course, to hear the Bible at Mass is, is excellent. It's very good, but we need to own a Bible for ourselves. We need to read it. We need to incorporate it in our prayer time so that the Lord can speak to us. God gave us his word for a reason. It's a precious, precious gift. God wants us to hear his voice, to be led by him. in the primary way that we hear God speak to us is through the Bible is through his word. And so today I want to challenge you be like Saint Elizabeth, make the decision to fall in love with God's word. If you don't have a Bible, go out and buy one, study it, pray with it. Don't give up. Even if it's hard at first, trust me, God will speak to you if you stick with it and ask him for his help. And so let's ask for St. Elizabeth's help right now so that we can be a saint just like she was. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, you turned to God for comfort when you felt abandoned, when you felt isolated and alone, help us to imitate you in this. That when our life gets dark and confusing and times of trouble hit us, that we would seek the love of Jesus, that we would seek our comfort in our relationship with God. Saint Elizabeth, you loved to serve the poor. You loved to reach out to those who are needy. Give us a heart for those who are less fortunate. Let us extend God's love to them through us. You had a hunger for God's word and for his truth, no matter what it costs you. Help us also to relentlessly pursue God's truth. That no matter what our friends and family say about us, that we would continue to strive for the fullness of truth that Jesus offers us. And St. Elizabeth, give us, give us the same deep love that you had for the Eucharist, that we would hunger, hunger to receive him at mass that we would hunger to be in his presence during adoration, just like you showed us how to do. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, pray for us, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.